This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. programs and welcome to the nerd cave retro podcast my name is jason robbins and i'm Derek diamond and this week we don't have much news actually we have no news but the only news we do have is eric eric <laughs> thinking i'm talking on here with my brother Derek had got the uh the nintendo switch so that's what we're going to be talking about this week so Derek, lay it down for us what are your first impressions so I've been playing the Switch since Friday, the day it came out. It was kind of an interesting story on like how the whole thing came about because the Switch has been very hard to find when it comes to pre-orders. And when they first announced, like, say, oh, the pre-orders are coming out on whatever day it was, I just so happened to go to Amazon and they had some available. Got it, and then as soon as I went back just to see, oh, are they still selling them? They had already sold out, which was insane. That's crazy. You so got I've been waiting. really lucky, oh, dude. <laughs> I'm not, you know, you got lucky. Yes, I did. It was, it was very, very strange. So I've been waiting, and kind of leading up to it, I had already said, you know, whenever I get the notification that the Switch has been delivered, like, I'm going to leave work, and I'm going to go back to my apartment to get the Switch. So I did that. And then went by the mall and got my um, got the Zelda game and a couple of other accessories. And what's interesting is uh, that morning, my to backtrack a little bit, my uncle had called me, and he was like, "Hey, are you doing anything?" And I was like, "Well, I'm just at work, you know, getting ready for uh, a college tournament that we have here this weekend." And he was like, "Well, if you've got a few minutes, I'm outside the stadium. I've got something for you." <laughs> he had found the special edition of Breath of the Wild that came with all the cool accessories like the Sheikah carrying case, what? a map, a coin, and he he got it for me. That's awesome. I was like, I was speechless because those things were impossible to find. Where did he find it at? Oh, just at Walmart. Like he happened to go to Walmart at midnight and they had, I think, like eight boxes and he was able to grab one. Why can't I come across cool stuff like this, man? <laughs> I, I never get deals on, like, I never find the stuff that I'm looking for. Like, I'm still on the hunt for the classic NES. Um, and this whole week, I've just to kind of switch subjects for a second, I'm on the, the hunt for uh, the Amazon Fire Stick because mm-hmm. uh, they have a, a new Fire Stick just came out on the second. Um, and everywhere that I get TV shows from like Hulu, they lost their Viacom contract. So there's no more comedy central stuff on Hulu. And really the, there's only literally two shows that I watch on Hulu now. Like I don't watch regular network TV. The only shows I watch are like a couple of Fox shows, 
But other than that, I can just watch those when they come out on Netflix. I don't care. I can wait. So I decided to go ahead and buy a fire stick. That way I can go ahead and get the Comedy Central app. I can get the walk, um, you know, the AMC app and all that kind of stuff and just have it right there on the fire stick. I cannot find one anywhere. Like I went today, I went to Target and Best Buy. They didn't have them. I've been looking online on Best Buy and Amazon. Nobody has these things and they're not going to be available until March 30th. That's insane. I know. And and still, here it is. It's March, and I still have not seen an NES classic anywhere to be found. I haven't seen any in stores either. I, I've still been looking off and on, just on the off chance to see if they have any. But no, I I still haven't seen any. I thought they were supposed to be restocked in February. That they were supposed to. I don't. I, I don't ask me what happened with that. That's interesting. That is very interesting. It's, it's, I heard the same thing about the Switch, and it, it kind of goes back into my story. You know, I, I went back to my apartment, I got the Switch, and then I stopped by um, Taco Bell, which is like a block from my apartment, to grab lunch. And next to it is Best Buy. And I thought, let me just go in there real quick to see if I could find the Pro Controller, because GameStop obviously didn't have any. They had one left in Best Buy. Wow. And I was able to get it. And they actually had like eight switches in stock just sitting there on the shelf. And I was like, huh, this is actually kind of surprising. <laughs> yeah. I went to the target today and the Best Buy, like I said, and they had, um, hand-drawn notes on the doors that said Nintendo switches sold out. Ah, uh, Nintendo. Why do you keep doing this? <laughs> why do you do this to us? Nintendo? Why? We love you so much. Just let us have our stuff, please. I truly think that they hate making money. I, yeah, I think so. <laughs> it seems like it. But um, as far as my initial impressions of the console itself, it's pretty bare bones when it comes to features. Because, you know, a, a big thing for me has been, like, you can go to the eShop, but there's no virtual console yet. And to me, that's just stupid. And there, I know someone on the Nerd Cave Facebook group said that it was ridiculous for people to expect that. Not exactly worded like that, but it wasn't that big a deal. But to me, like I can see his point, but at the same time, if I'm Nintendo, I want to try and make as many people happy as possible. Yeah, you would think that they would want the, the store to be up and running by the time that the Switch comes out. That just... I, I can't see any argument against that. Yeah. But I mean I, I can I can see I can see the guy's point, but I, I still would have had it available. So a lot of the reviews for the Switch console itself have been very mixed. I know IGN said that it was they quoted it as saying it's a jack of all trades but a master of none. Hmm. Which as far as the system itself, I haven't really delved into it too much because, like I said, there's not really much to delve into. So time will tell on that. Um, the Joy-Con controllers are very small, and that's kind of crazy coming from me because I have small hands. And even, like, they, they both feel just a little bit too small in my hand. Like, they're not uncomfortable. See, and that's scary I, for me because I am literally, like, probably twice your size. <laughs> so 
I don't know how that's going to work for me because I can palm a basketball. I'm jealous of that. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know but, how that controller is going to work in my hands. I mean, I have really big hands. I'm I'm a big dude. I'm six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pounds. You know, I'm I'm a large guy. How how is this those little tiny controllers going to work for me? Now they do have an adapter that you can plug the Joy Cons into that makes it feel like a traditional controller. I haven't actually tried that yet, but I will say I don't like the look of it. And plus, you know, with the Pro Controller, it looks exactly like a controller that I would want to play a video game with. It's it's built similar to the Xbox controller, except they put the the buttons in the actual correct places, hmm. not like uh, the Xbox. But um, Pro Controller is really nice. It's very expensive, though. It's more expensive than the games, which I find to be uh, interesting, it's to crazy, say the least. You would think any kind of peripheral would have like a $50 limit. Of how much yeah. they charge for stuff like that. But as far as the positives go, Zelda Breath of the Wild is, so far, it might already beat Ocarina of Time for me. Wow. It's really, really, really good. It feels completely different than any Zelda game. The Zelda traditions are still in there. Like You can still get the Master Sword at some point, which I haven't made it nearly that far yet. Uh, there's still that that lore and that story is still there, but the gameplay is totally different. From the very beginning, you you jump like right into the story, and you can do you can do just about everything after you do like if you have to do a few certain objectives to get this thing called the paraglider. Because when you wake up, you're on this this giant um, cliff called the Great Plateau. And you can't climb off of it just because it's too tall and you run out of stamina and you fall to your death. Yeah. So you have to do a few objectives to get this thing called the paraglider. And from there, you learn more about the backstory. And I, I won't give that away because the game's still relatively early and I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But once you get into a Hyrule field, it's awesome. You can go anywhere. You can go straight to the final boss if you want. I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. Now, I haven't done it, so how and do I'm not you, going to. How do you feel? Because you're as big a Zelda fan, if not bigger Zelda fan than I am. Does it have the same, like, does the world itself still have that Zelda feel to it? Or is it a little too realistic, like, say, something like a Skyrim or something like that? Because that's really the one thing I've been afraid of for this game is I don't want it to be too overly realistic. It's not. No, the, the Zelda... It has still has that Zelda feel to it. Like you still have the classic enemies, like the the Moblins, um, the Deku Scrubs, Octoroks. Those are still in the game, so there's still Zelda elements to it. Yeah, it's just the actual gameplay itself is is different. And just say like with weapons, weapons only last you a certain amount of time before they break, so you constantly have to get new items, which is kind of cool in its own way because you could use a sword. You can use a spear. You can literally even use um, a soup ladle <laughs> as a weapon. That's which awesome. I, I did. I did try that, and um, I did not fare too well. But if you want to try it, knock yourself out. But it, so far, it's it's so so good. Like I haven't been this immersed in a game in a long time because I played it. Uh, I had to work late Friday, so I came home. I played it for about an hour. 
and then I was going to go to bed, couldn't go to sleep. So I woke up, literally took the, the tablet out of the dock, which the, the actual tablet is the console itself. It just happens to have a docking station that you can plug into your TV mm-hmm. and the tablet yeah, people complain that the resolution is only 720p, but that's not really that huge of a deal to me. Yeah, but on a screen that small, you're not going to that's not going to be that much of a difference. Correct. The fact that you can take that thing anywhere and play it is so unbelievably awesome. Like I literally laid in bed for another 45 minutes and, and I played a console <laughs> Zelda game. That's awesome. It's so so cool and I I haven't ran the the battery out yet. Because they were kind of vague on the battery life. They said it could be anywhere between two to six hours, depending on the game. So I've only played it in tablet mode for probably a little over an hour. And the battery was at like 70-something percent. Hmm. So That's not bad. Yeah, so, so, so far, it, I've the Switch itself, is it the greatest console in the world? No, and I don't think it'll ever be known as that. And I actually think, and I... I've talked about this with other people. I actually think there's a decent chance this is Nintendo's last console. But the concept of it is once you actually do it, it's really, really cool. Because like I said, you can take a console wherever you want and you can play a Zelda game. You'll be able to play a Mario Kart game when it comes out. You can play Mario Odyssey when it comes out this Christmas. The fact that you can take it, you know, to a friend's house or if you're going on a trip, you can just take the tablet with you and you can get like a a charging cable for the tablet itself. So you don't have to take the dock with you. It's just it's so cool. It's really, really cool. Yeah, I'm I'm still excited about getting one. Like that's all I ever asked for for this console was to just to be a good gaming console. And that's if that's all it ever is. That's all it ever needs to be. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. It's I, I'm trying to think of a, a I don't, number scale. It's I don't, still way too early for me to give a, a number grade. Well, yeah, but yeah, Zelda, I, I would that. give it. So far, I'd give it a nine and a half or a ten out of ten. So far, that's good. Because like I was gonna say, I don't need another Netflix machine. I already got one. It's called my PS4. I want something that I can play great games on that's all it is is a gaming console and if that's all nintendo can do let's do that and like you know there's a lot of negative reviews out there about it but let's give it some time i mean everybody laughed at the wii when it first came out and that turned out to be one of the greatest consoles of all time so let's let's see what this thing can do and what nintendo can do with this thing over the next year or so one last thing i'll say I think the one thing the Switch was missing, there's this game that's out for it called 1-2 Switch, which has a collection of mini games that feature what the Joy-Cons can do. It's basically to display what the Switch can do. That game should have been packaged with the Switch, much like Wii Sports was when the Wii came out. Yeah. Because if you think about it, the Wii Sports game was pretty much a demo to say, hey, this is how the Wii is different than other consoles. One two switch should have been the same, not a fifty dollar game that yeah. no one's going to buy. Yeah, who's gonna buy a game of mini games? Nobody's gonna buy that. No, but if it if it were packaged with the switch, I mean, I would play it because oh, yeah. it would that'd be a great game that you know me, Zach, and Robbie could play uh, for Let's Plays. And look, they need to bring Mario back. They need to 
do a, a console packaged with the you know the new Legend of Zelda game. Like bring those to the forefront again. Like those are going to be console sellers. No, I agree. I agree. But I I would say my opinion on whether or not you should get the Switch. If you absolutely are a diehard Zelda fan like I am, I think it's worth it. Because with the Wii U version, I've heard that there's some frame rate issues with it. But if you can wait, then I would wait. Mm. Like, I don't think the Switch is an absolute must-get unless you're absolutely dying to play Breath of the Wild. I'm sure there are a lot of people are. I'm not sure how many uh, consoles were sold this past weekend. I haven't looked at it yet, but so far I like it. I I, I have uh, I have no huge complaints other than you know the couple I mentioned at the top of my review. Well, there you go. Um, that's Derek's take. So let's uh, let's see how he likes it in about six months when uh, Nintendo is like you know sitting on their hands and not putting games out for this thing. <laughs> I'm hoping that within the next month or so they announce like a huge virtual console deal. Yeah. Like maybe they'll just put like almost every game they've ever made on it. No, but I got confidence in Nintendo. They always seem to even out after a while, even though they have their, their rough launches and stuff like that. But come on, Nintendo, let's, let's get back in the game, man. It's time. I think with Nintendo, their developers make great games but the people who run like the business and marketing side of things, I feel like at times they have their head up their ass. Yeah, I'll agree with that. But so. you know, I, I still, I still support Nintendo. Oh yeah. But we we'll, we'll have will. to, we'll have to see what happens in six months. All right. Well, let's see what happens and uh, let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. In March of 1989, March 21st to be exact, Sega releases Fantasy Star 2, a landmark title for the role-playing video game genre. Did you ever play any of the Fantasy Star games? I actually played one for the Nintendo GameCube. It was called Fantasy Star Online. Um, played it a handful <clears throat> of times. It was fun because I had you know a group of people to play it with, and yeah, that made it fun. But I think if I did it as like a single player... I wouldn't really be that into it. Yeah, I, I I never played any. These didn't really catch my attention back in the day. Like this wasn't going to be any sort of like system seller for me. Like, oh, get the Genesis to play Fantasy Star. It just it wasn't in my wheelhouse. I was too much of a Nintendo person back then. Yeah, I would agree with that. But uh, in 1994, on March 15th, Mega Man 6 was released in the United States. I know you're a huge Mega Man fan. Did you ever play Mega Man 6? I did not. Uh, like I said, I really didn't get into Mega Man back in the day because my, I had such a bad taste in my mouth on the first one, and it was so hard, and I just I didn't even play Mega Man 2. But I think I did. I might have rented it one weekend, but it still really didn't capture my attention until I got older. Um, and I'd love to go back and play all these Mega Man games because I still say Mega Man 2 is one of the best video games of all time. And I'd love to go back and play all the others. Yeah, I I remember this game coming out. Mega Man was one of those series that I was like, I should be really into, but 
I was so focused on Zelda and yeah. Mario and all the other RPGs that were out for the SNES that I just never got into it. Same here. But on March 19th of 1994, Super Metroid for the SNES was distributed on a 24 megabit cartridge, the largest of its time, called The Best Game of All Time by Electronic Gaming Monthly in 2002. So do you think that title still stands? I mean, I know Electronic Gaming Monthly is not around anymore, but do you think uh, those that gave it that title, do you think they still feel that way? I mean, I think it's possible. I It's a good game. It, calling it the best game of all time, I think, is a bit of a stretch. Because to me, like, I love the Metroid series. And like I said, Metroid is a lot of fun. But I didn't play that game when it came out. Like, I just played it for the first time a couple of years ago. Mm. But I, I can understand all the hype behind it. I do miss Electronic Gaming Monthly, though. I do they too, were like my them and Nintendo Power were my two <laughs> gaming magazines back in the day. Same here. I had a, a subscription to both of those. No, I I don't know where I would rank it, to be honest, because like I said, I didn't play it when it first came out. So I, I don't have that memory of playing it at that time. So I, I'm probably the wrong person to ask about whether or not it would be ranked as the best game of all time. As far as if, if they think so. I mean, it's very possible, but that's also, you know, over 20 or almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I love the first Metroid. I never really played the, the Super Metroid. I know I did, but I don't remember it. I still am on the hunt for it. If I find a good copy of it, I'm going to buy it. Um, but I still say the first Metroid, it's, it's, it's up there probably in my top. 20 i'd say but it's not in the top 10 I, I wouldn't go that far but it was a really good game at the time and and for some people it might be the best game of all time but you know because it's got that aesthetic it's got that creepy feel it's got a great soundtrack cool gameplay great enemies but i just it, it doesn't rank that far up there with me I just realized 1994 is over 20 years ago, so now I feel years. even older. Yeah, 23 years ago. Jeez. Speaking of 1994, in March 27th, Origin releases Wing Commander 3 Heart of the Tiger, based both around space simulation gameplay and an interactive movie with big-name actors. It's one of the most expensive games developed with a budget of $4 million. That's nothing these days. No. <laughs> but no, back back then, $4 million, especially for a game, holy crap. Yeah, they're indie games that spend more than that these days. Yeah. Wing Commander 3. I never played I, any of those. I know Mark no, I Hamill didn't was in them. I know he played in, uh, a character in Wing Commander. I know there was a movie. I never saw the movie either. Yeah, I'm it, looking up the... Let's see, it had Freddie Mark Prince Hamill. Jr. in the Mal movie. <laughs> So we had Mark Hamill, Malcolm McDowell, uh, Tom Wilson, who I think was Biff in Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow, Reese Tim Davies. Curry was a voice in this movie. Who's that? Tim Curry. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I mm -hmm. do remember. Actually, isn't this where they got um, that clip from on uh, Hollywood Babylon? The I think spice. so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're right. I think this is it. That's huh, fantastic. I'll have, to, I'll have to do more digging into this because this this 
this has kind of piqued my interest. I know, me too. Very interesting. <laughs> but no, I've I've never no, I never played any of the Wing Commander games. Yeah, that that totally passed me by. But if you were alive then and you played it, uh, well, it's been twenty three years. Hope you feel old. Uh, I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> but before we move on to my review this week, I have to remind you that for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free thirty day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And as Jason mentioned at the top of the show, they have over 180,000 titles to choose from. And they have anything from, uh, you know, novelizations like from Halo, uh, Mass Effect, Gears of War, Lord of the Rings, all kinds of stuff. Even Star Wars. Might I we make all love a Star suggestion? Wars. I actually, if you're a big Stephen King fan and you like the Dark Tower series, I just got through with... Uh, the the wind through the keyhole which is an additional book that he added a couple of years ago onto the dark tower storyline i just finished that it's fantastic go go check those out no absolutely stephen king's great yes and i'm still listening to star wars bloodline i've haven't had much of a chance to listen to it over the past week but i listened to a good chunk of it today it's getting really really good i like it a lot it's a great book but to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook. No lie, I was wondering what song you were going to pick from this game. <laughs> I couldn't really, uh, I didn't know what to pick, so I just, I looked through the playlist and I got the most jaunty one I could find. Well, it was one of the catchier ones. I, I like it. I think that was but the athletic theme from Yoshi's Island. You would be correct. I was actually listening to that soundtrack earlier today. Uh, my review for this week is Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island for the Super Nintendo, SNES, or SNES, as I like to call it. Yoshi's Island is a 1995 platform video game developed and published by Nintendo for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Story-wise, it's a prequel to the whole Mario franchise. The game casts players as Yoshi as he escorts baby Mario through 48 levels in order to reunite him with his brother Luigi, who has been kidnapped by baby Bowser's minions. Uh, the thing that stood out for me to this game when it first came out, not only was it a sequel to Super Mario World, which is, I, I think I've said it on the show, is my all-time favorite Mario game. I've spent so many hours playing through that. And of course, when the sequel came out, I was excited for it. And then Yoshi, who made his debut in Mario World, was a really popular character. So I thought it was really smart of them to put him at the forefront of this. And when you even look at the box art, you see Yoshi carrying a baby with the red, uh, the red hat with the M on it. So you're already kind of intrigued. And story-wise, you know, it's kind of interesting to see Mario in the game, but you don't play as him. And he's in his most helpless state because he's a baby. So he doesn't really do anything. He just, he rides on Yoshi. But 
it adds a cool dynamic to the the platforming genre, um, like gameplay wise. Because with Mario, you know, you can shoot fireballs, you can jump, uh, you can fly if you have a cape or a raccoon tail, depending on what game you play. But with Yoshi, there's the jumping and everything, but you you can uh, swallow enemies and you basically turn them into eggs, and that's what you throw. And you have to you have a targeting system that you can use to aim. Like say if you have a piranha plant that's across the across the the way or whatever, you have to actually stop. You hit I believe it was the X or the Y button. And this target moves up and down, and you have to line it up next to the piranha plant hmm. and shoot it in order to to kill it. So it adds a very different type of element into the Mario franchise, but it's one that I think is actually really good. I really enjoy this game a lot. I have not played it in years. Uh, they ported it, I believe, to Game Boy Advance uh, back when it came out. But that was the last time I played it. Yeah, what year did that say it came out on the... Uh, it says in 2002 it came out for the Game Boy Advance under the title Yoshi's Island Super Mario Advance 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I remember right, Mario Advanced 1 was Mario 2. And then Mario... It, they, the number system was very confusing because Mario Advance 2 was Super Mario World. So it was called Super Mario World, Super Mario Advance 2. Hmm. Why and then Yoshi's that? Island, weird. which is Super Mario World 2, is Mario Advance 3. <laughs> okay. It's very confusing. Uh, it says the distinct art style and Yoshi's signature characteristics established in Yoshi's Island would carry throughout a series of cameo spinoffs and sequels, including the 1997 Yoshi Story, 2006 Yoshi's Island DS, 2014 Yoshi's New Island, and 2015 Yoshi's Woolly World. The next Mario 2D platform game for home consoles was New Super Mario Bros. Wii, released 14 years later. That's a long time between yeah, 2D platformers for Mario. But yeah, the it introduced a, a very unique and, to me, a very cool art style, the storybook look which to me now is synonymous with Yoshi games. As you just read, every Yoshi game has that look to it. Mm -hmm. it, may, it might be a little different animation-wise, but it still has that storybook look. Like Yoshi's story looked more like um, like your 3D animated type of movie, like kind of like what Disney does today with their animation. Yeah. Um, Yoshi's Island DS kind of went back to the Yoshi's Island for Super Nintendo look. Um, let's see, Yoshi's Woolly World, everything looks like it's made of yarn, but still has that storybook look to it. Yoshi's Woolly World is a really good game, too. Yeah, I'll be honest, I never played any of the Yoshi games. Um, let me look through the list again. Yeah, I th I've played through all of these. I don't, oh yeah, Yoshi's New Island was when you have, like, Baby Mario, Baby Peach, Baby Wario, and all of them had different abilities. Or was that? Let me look real quick. I'm I'm confused between these two games. <laughs> Yoshi's story was was pretty good. Okay, Yoshi's New Island had let's see. Da, 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 da. Okay, Yoshi's Island DS had the different babies. You had Baby Mario, Peach, Donkey Kong, 
Bowser, and Wario. And they all had different abilities that you could use. Like with baby Donkey Kong, if you were going through a jungle level, he could grab onto vines yeah. and you could you could swing, you know, throughout the the level or whatever. Bowser could spit out fireballs. Peach had her little umbrella so you could basically float down if you jump off a ledge. Mario, I think, was just your traditional, like, all-around balanced uh, character like he always is. But Yoshi's Island, it's cool because it, it throws Yoshi to the forefront, and he was extremely, extremely popular coming out of Super Mario World, and that really kind of kicked off a pretty successful spinoff series from Mario, and even getting to see the backstory a little bit of Mario and Luigi yeah. when they were, you know, Luigi was captured, because the, the story of the game is this stork is basically delivering baby Mario and Luigi. <laughs> and then Kamek, who is a Magikoopa, hits um, hits the stork because it's prophesized that these two will will defeat Bowser, who is also a baby at this point. Um, he's only able to grab Luigi, and then Mario falls down to Yoshi's Island, and he's discovered by Yoshi, and that's how the game begins. But it it has a it has a cool um, it has a cool layout and everything to it because um, like World One is your traditional um, like grassy area. They have a snow world, um, they have swamp world, so they have a, a nice variety that you expect from Mario games. And the boss fights are really cool too. You so know, there, it's it's similar to Mario games, but it's different enough to where it it brings a new element. Yeah. Well, there's something here I didn't know about this. This is kind of interesting. The uh, the Mario creator Shigeru Miyamoto was apparently not uh, a fan of Donkey Kong Country, and he said uh, he worked on Super Mario World. He thought he could make Yoshi the series' next hero, since the game designer did not like the other Yoshi games, including Yoshi Safari and Yoshi's Cookie, and thought he could make something more authentic. When he first brought the game to Nintendo marketing, they declined the game for having Mario-style graphics rather than the Vogue computer pre-rendered graphics of Donkey Kong Country. In comparison, they felt that his game lacked the power to impress. Incensed and opposed to the style, Miyamoto instead further escalated his cartoonish visuals into a hand-drawn crayon style. Nintendo's marketing department accepted this revision. Miyamoto later recalled feeling that the marketing department wanted better hardware and more beautiful beautiful graphics instead of art. Around the time of his rejection, Miyamoto allegedly said that Donkey Kong Country proves that players will put up with mediocre gameplay as long as the art is good. However, he later clarified his remarks, stating that recently some rumor got out that I didn't really like that game. I just want to clarify that it's not the case because I was very involved in that and even emailing almost daily with Tim Stamper right up to the end. What I take away from that is what Miyamoto wants, Miyamoto Miyamoto gets. gets. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh, I mean, he was right. I mean, that, that style has stood the test of time since now let's see it came out in japan august of 1995 and in north america and europe in october of that same year so yeah let's see that's 22 years if there are any video games that stand the test of time it's a lot of the super nintendo nintendo titles like 
you know, Donkey Kong Country, the the Super Mario games, Metroid, Zelda, those games still look great today. No, I agree. I agree totally. But I, I recommend checking out this game. It's I would rank it probably below Super Mario World and any of the, I guess, Super Mario Brothers traditional titles. But it's still really good. Like, it's probably the best Mario spinoff. Like, it's out of the Yoshi games, it's definitely my favorite by far, even with the the advancement of, you know, Yoshi's New Island that I mentioned before, where you have the different babies with the different abilities. Yeah. There's just something about just a straight-up platformer where you I, just have a single objective. And even, yeah. you know, throwing in the, the targeting system with the eggs, it doesn't make it you know, so different that it turns the the player off to the game. I really think platformers are going to make a return in the next few years. I hope so. The 2D, not necessarily, they don't have to be 2D because you look at games like, um, uh, what's the one with, uh, with Sackboy? Um, what's it called? Little Big Planet. Like yeah. that type of gameplay is going to come back in a major way in a few years. And I think, you know, Super Mario Brothers and Yoshi, uh, Metroid games like that are going to have another resurgence of the whole side-scrolling platforming genre. No, I, I hope so. I absolutely hope so. Because, I mean, it's a gameplay style that stands the test of time. I mean, you look at games that come out, like some of the indie games now, like, uh, like um, what was that, Broforce that I played? I mean, total... Mm-hmm you know, throwback and you look at super meat boy games like that, these games, these big companies could really take their, you know, like what would, what if there was like a 2d side scrolling halo game? I mean, how awesome would that be? That would be insane. I would, I would love to see the gamer community's reaction to that. That would be awesome. I'd play it. I would too. Uh, and not only that, like take anything. I mean, look at the, uh, let's see, um, what's some other big properties like, um, uncharted. What if there was like a Nathan Drake 2d side scroller where you got to do un- like solve puzzles and stuff. I actually think an uncharted 2d game would go over really well. Or, like I could see that being even a if, good game. Yeah. Even if it was like a Zelda type of game, like that top down kind of cartoonish graphics you go through, you got to solve puzzles. I mean, I think that would be really fun. Oh, just like I said for Halo, I would play it. <laughs> yeah, same here. So, uh, but let's go ahead and um, start wrapping up for this week. Is there anything you want to talk about before we go? Um, real quick, back to Yoshi's Island. Um, as far as the reception, it got really good reviews. It received instant and universal acclaim, according to an IGN retrospective. Uh, just to read some of the reviews, Edge gave it the Game Boy Advance version an 8 and the SNES version a 9. Wow. Eurogamer gave it a 9. GameFan gave it a 100 out of 100. GameSpot gave it a 9 out of 10. IGN, 9.4 out of 10. Nintendo Life gave the Game Boy Advance version a 9 and the Super Nintendo version a 10. And Nintendo Power said that the game was one of the biggest, most beautiful games ever made. Graphic-wise, it's definitely a a very beautiful game. It's very bright, very visual. All the colors and the environment really pops. And it, like I said, it has that unique look that hadn't really been seen before. Um, I don't know if I would give it a 9. I would probably give it, you know, like an 8 towards an 8.5. 
it's still it's a very very good game and if you're a mario fan and you've never played it definitely do yourself a favor and do it you'll really enjoy it i'm gonna have to pick this up i actually see i I think this is the game i see a lot like at flea markets and stuff so i might have to go and pick up a copy of this and and check it out because i never played it it's really good I, i think you would like it it looks like it. It looks like it's right up my alley. Like, you know me. I love good side-scrollers, platformers. So this looks like I would really be into it. I will say if you do get it, make sure that you never get hit because if you do, uh, baby Mario will fall <laughs> off of you and he'll be, like, trapped in a bubble and he's floating in the air. And he just starts screaming, like, crying <laughs> like crazy. And it's the most annoying thing you will ever hear. That's weird. <laughs> It'll definitely motivate you to 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 get him back, though. Well, I would imagine so. But yeah, that's uh, that's all I've got for Yoshi's Island. All right. Well, sounds good to me. I think next week I have decided that I am going to review Super C for NES because I got a full afternoon, just chocked full of two player Super C yesterday afternoon i'm ready to talk about it so that's what i'm going to be reviewing next week um and i don't think we have anything else to pimp for this week um other than uh go check out the last episode of pop culture palette we talked about um it was our pensacon wrap-up episode and uh derek you got a couple things that are coming out this week let them know what it's about yeah, so um, see, we're recording this on uh, Sunday afternoon. Tonight we're doing episode 200 of the Nerd Cave podcast. Wow, we're 200 doing the already. Show- <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. It kind of snuck up on us. Um, we're doing that show live on, on YouTube. So if you're listening to this, it's obviously already happened. But you can check out, um, we put the show out in segments every week on YouTube. Uh, so you can check out they're they're about 10 to 15 minutes each. And I know we're going to be talking about uh, the Switch, Zelda, Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, saw Logan this past weekend. So I'll be talking about that and uh, all kinds of cool stuff. And the, the full episode will be out on Friday. Awesome. So definitely check that out um, this Tuesday on my solo show, The Derek Diamond Experience. I got to talk with legendary cartoonist Guy Gilchrist, who is the. Uh, the artist behind the Muppets comic strip, the original Muppets comic strip. He's also drawn for Ninja Turtles, Muppet Babies. Um, if you seen like if you grew up in the late '80s, early '90s, you definitely saw his work. And he was at Pensacon. Uh, that's where I met him and had a nice uh, 30, 45 minute conversation with him. So definitely check that out. And uh, just follow us on uh, Twitter at NerdKVids to find out what's coming up next. Awesome. I'm still trying to get caught up on the Nerd Cave podcast. I think I'm on like episode 197. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. But yeah, I had, I had no idea it was already the 200th episode. That's crazy. And like I said, it's kind of it kind of snuck up on us because we also have I think in 2 months our 4-year anniversary. Wow. It's coming up. So like the the 200s or the 100s or the 50s happen a month or two before the like the anniversary show, so they're all kind of like together, which is it's just inter- interesting. That's cool. I don't know how you guys hit two hundred before we did because we started like four years ago too. I don't know how that happened. Uh, stubbornness mostly. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were also like uh, biweekly and also uh, 
Steve would go on his trips a lot. So for like the first 40 episodes or so, it took us like over a year and a half to get up to like episode 40. But hey, you guys are still kicking though. Yeah, we're we're up That's to weekly. Thing. We've been going steady weekly for about two years now. So hopefully we can keep doing that. No, for sure. Yeah, like I said, definitely check out uh, – you can check out the the Nerd Cave stuff on Twitter at Nerd Cave Vids. You can check out my solo show at D Diamond Podcast. Fantastic. So, and also check out the Pop Culture Palette Podcast as well at PCP Show on Twitter. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and get out of here. If you would like to – oop, wrong button. <laughs> Whoops. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. You can check out our new website at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. We're also individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. And Derek, your Instagram is at ddiamond4, right? I actually just changed it. It's at Derek D. Diamond. Oh, okay. Yeah, I knew they were different from one another. Mine are the same. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> you can, uh, you can, you got also, lucky. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> no, not too many people call Jay Funktastic. But you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And that's going to do it for this week. And uh, Derek, tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.